So really the challenge for us is, as we think about these two words, is how are we choosing to view our spouse? through the lens of judgment and focusing on weaknesses, or are we viewing them through the lens of value and celebrating their strengths? Or another way of saying it is, will we choose to look at our spouse through the lens of pride or through the lens of humility? And the key to understand the grace of God in our lives is choosing to allow grace to move us from isolation to unity. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Spousing podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us for the show. Maybe you're listening for the first time. We want to let you know we're super glad you're here. So I want to share just a little bit about us. We genuinely believe that every marriage has the potential to be a masterpiece, revealing its unique God-designed purpose. And we've learned that a strong relationship doesn't just happen by chance. It really takes intentional effort and shaping. So with every episode, Lisa, your and I's main goal is to give practical tools and tips that can help a relationship not only survive, but truly thrive. That's exactly right. We hope you've had a great couple of weeks since our last episode. Life has been flying by with us. We did a reboot with an incredible young couple, did some Enneagram coaching, and had a speaking opportunity at a re-engage gathering. It has been really full, not yeah. busy, full and fantastic. Yeah, it's true. Actually, what we want to share with you today is based on what we shared at that re-engage event. We thought we were going to teach about prayer and marriage in this episode, but after putting this content together for the talk, we thought it, we would share it with you. But before we jump in, we do want to take a moment to talk about the marriage reboot. With the year wrapping up and a new year right around the corner, the next couple of months are a great time mm-hmm. to start thinking about goals and dreams for your future. And so maybe a great time for you to think about how to invest in your marriage with a marriage reboot. Yeah. The marriage reboot is a, an exclusive one-on-one experience that will empower you to uncover your marriage purpose and actually start living into it. This will be a two-day transformative journey that will leave you invigorated, energized, and equipped with actionable goals and a clear vision. Yeah, our process is designed to bring clarity and breakthroughs to every aspect of your marriage. And together, we'll craft plans for multiple domains of your life and marriage, really creating a solid framework that will help you manage and continually renew your relationship in the future. During this private, intensive two-day experience, you and your spouse will have our undivided attention as your dedicated marriage coaches will guide you through a journey of reflection, helping you identify where you've been, define where you are right now, and discover where it is you want to go together. This experience is designed for marriages in all stages. We know the marriage reboot will make a huge difference in your marriage. Yeah, so if you want to find out more about the marriage reboot, you can go online at artespousing.com backslash marriage coaching. You can also message us on Instagram and we'll send you a link to schedule a 30 minute call with Lisa and I to hear more about the marriage reboot. Okay, so let's jump into our topic today. I'm excited about it. Yeah, we want to spend a few minutes talking about two important aspects of a healthy marriage relationship grace and humility. So to start this out, I want to look at this passage of scripture in James chapter four, verse six, and it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, pride does not set well with God. And if you think about it, pride was the original sin, the desire and declaration that I'm in control. God gave Adam and Eve this incredible garden, and he said, just don't eat from this one tree and the desire to put themselves in a place where they could be like God. So for our conversation today, I'd like to lay a foundation around this word pride, which Mm -hmm. is this besetting sin. Pride actually has two meanings. It describes a feeling of happiness that comes from achieving something. You know, like when, when you say, I'm so proud of my wife. Oh, that's right. Pride <laughs> of my wife. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's so, a good. That's great a good example. Idea. 
<laughs> you know, when you do a good job, like I married a good wife, mm-hmm. or you finish a difficult task, you feel pride. And actually, that's not a bad thing to, to feel accomplished, to feel like you did something. Pride can also, though, have a negative meaning. And that's really what we're talking about today. And it refers to exceedingly high self-regard, which can reveal itself as a persistent need for respect or assurance that I matter, that I'm in control. You can easily see how pride is at the root of conflict and disunity in a relationship. Literally, both spouses' flesh competing for first place. And pride affects and sabotages intimacy in marriage. That's right. Proverbs 13.10 says, it says, where there is strife, there's pride. Intimacy is affected during prideful moments when, first of all, we fail to admit our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we position ourselves as superior over our partner. Maybe we become defensive during arguments or assume that we know what's best for our partner without consulting them. But God in his wisdom knew as men and women that we needed something to actually combat pride. So he gave us the beautiful gift of marriage. (laughs) It's it's our discipleship plan. It really is. Marriage (laughs) is a direct assault on our foundational spiritual weakness of pride. And the antidote of pride, Lisa, is humility, right? right? And humility is having an accurate estimate of one's worth. Author C.S. Lewis once said that, The true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's actually thinking of yourself less. And Mm -hmm. a humble person honestly discerns their own emotions, interests, their values, strengths, and weaknesses and acts accordingly. And there's a, a really cool passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, where the Apostle Paul says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. But be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Yeah. So I love that idea that humility doesn't mean that you are incompetent, mm-hmm. that you're not, you don't have value. It just means you're thinking of yourself less. So it's not diminishing who you are, mm-hmm. but it's just thinking of your spouse. And I love that. I think it's great. You know, in light of unpacking these two words, pride versus humility, I want to give some practical application if we contrasted the two and how it maybe plays out in marriage. Yeah. For example, put me first is pride versus put my spouse first is humility. Mm -hmm. This is really about preferring one another. There's research out there that states that it takes seven years to purge selfishness out of our marriage. It's amazing. Think about it. Seven years for a couple to settle in that marriage is not self-serving. Self-serving attitudes say things like, what do I get out of this relationship? Mm -hmm. How is this going to benefit me? What are you going to do for me today, James? And a posture that says, I'll treat my spouse according to how they treat me. Right. That's self-serving. Putting our spouse ahead of ourselves takes intentional focus. If it takes seven years to purge this out of us, it's going to take intentional focus. That's right. So putting your spouse first requires you to draw the circle around yourself and work on and discipline everyone in the circle. That's you. (laughs) That's me. Right. And preferring your spouse. 
without measuring the performance of how your spouse is preferring you. Mm. So if I have the circle around me and I'm working on preferring you, my level of preferring you isn't based on how well you're doing. Right. Because then that shifts me back to pride. What am I getting? But it's focusing on how am I doing in this area? That's good. Philippians chapter two says it this way in verse three through four. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to your own interest, Mm -hmm. but also to the interest of others. There we go. Preferring someone else. Another way to contrast pride with humility Pride is quick to speak and slow to listen versus humility is quick to listen and slow to speak. Actually, I'm sure this is a, coming to you, the verse in James chapter one, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think this is awfully interesting that it's connecting that being quick to speak and slow to listen to mm-hmm. anger, right. an emotion that obviously isn't going to be great and build a great foundation of marriage. The message says it this way, lead with your ears and follow up with your tongue. (laughs) I love it. I like that. In an effort to not lead with the tongue, humility requires us to pause, allowing the brain to inform the mouth and the face. Mm. So you're taking a minute as you're listening to your spouse talk. The wisdom of this verse starts with being quick to listen. The practice of listening is more interested in understanding than being understood. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if you know this, James, but the word listen and silent are spelled with the same letters. Yeah. So listening requires our mouths and our minds to be silent. That's really good. I like that. As I'm listening to you talk, my mouth may be shut, but my mind may be going to go, what am I going to respond? Right. He's wrong. No, my mind is silent and I'm really taking in what you're saying. There are so many books written on this one aspect of communication, listening, and it reveals so much to the verb. There's a lot of information and data around how to do this well. So I just want to give a few aspects of listening, I think that will help us today. So there's three levels of listening, informal listening, This is like everyday communication. We're listening for facts, data, the weather, football scores, Ohio State's playing tomorrow. I like that informal listening. Yeah, you do like that. And you may be able to be on your phone, actually, in this uh, moment. This level of listening can be flat and emotionless. Right. Active listening, this level of listening pays close attention. The listener shows awareness, makes brief comments or clarifying questions so that your spouse knows that you're engaged and you're getting this. This level of listening, would be challenged by multitasking, scrolling on the phone, on the computer, tending to kids or processing mail, that would probably distract from this level of listening, active listening. It also involves learning what is communicated through posture, energy level, tone of voice, expressed attitudes that indicate emotion. Informal listening can be emotionless, like I stated, but active listening does require emotion. Right. Then there's this third level of listening, which is intuitive listening. James, I think you and I have kind of hit this world. Yeah. 30 so. years later, not we aren't 100% at this, but we actually have intuitive listening. So this is a high level of concentration, listening for what's behind the words, what's behind emotion, what's behind a certain attitude. Words are not consistent with verbal cues. So sometimes when I get sharp with my tone, you are intuitively listening. Are you frustrated? Is there something I can help you with? Right. You're slow to respond to my irritation, but you are mindful to listen. Right. Yeah. I think a couple of things there is you're sharing that we're just 
talking to a young guy this week about his relationship and he synthesizes things really fast like mm-hmm. myself where his soon to be bride soon to be bride doesn't she's more of a verbal processor like you mm-hmm. and you know that active listening is really an intentional piece especially mm-hmm. if you're a wire like me that you want to get to the bottom line mm-hmm. sometimes you have to be patient and I think that's where like one of the disciplines that we talk a lot about is our morning minutes mm-hmm. where we spend time face-to-face connecting every day, whether it's, you know, for some people that may be in the morning or at night at dinner or whatever, but that time of regular rhythm of being able to practice these are verbs and active listening, just like anything requires practice. You're not always going to be good at it, Mm -hmm. but in humility, you're going to slow down and prefer Mm -hmm. your spouse. If you're like me, I have to really be intentional to be active. And I think the other thing with the intuitive piece, I think one of the things I've had to grow in that area is the area of empathy to really understand what's going on behind the words. And so again, humility is an active decision that we lean into being slow to speak and quick to listen. That's right. Yeah, I love it. This verse continues with great wisdom stating we should be slow to speak. Mm -hmm. A huge lesson I've learned in our marriage journey is that every conversation does not demand a response, maybe at all, and it doesn't necessarily demand a response in that moment. Right. Again, pacing, giving pause. I have some go-to phrases that I like to use in this moment when I shouldn't respond that I should give some time and space. So one of those statements is, I hear you, James. I want to process all that has been said, and I'd like to circle back around later. Right. This gives me intentional time to move away from this conversation and process what I need to say, because I want to be slow to speak, Right. so that I can move forward and strengthen. It's good. Keep in mind that all conversations are not necessarily a one and done. Now, I know that's very painful for some people listening. And James, you're just like, can it? Can we finish this in one conversation? And right. sometimes we can't do that because we actually don't handle it well. So they may require space to pray and process before speaking. So humility is demonstrated when we are slow to speak, mm-hmm. when we give thought to how we're going to respond, if we should respond. You know, I always love giving practical tools on the podcast because I'm like, you can hear grace and humility. And you're like, how do you actually apply right. that? How do you actually be slow to speak and quick to listen? I have two tools that I want to share that may help you in this area. So the first tool is three questions you should ask. So tool number one is three questions. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? And does it need to be said by me? I love that. So does it need to be said? You know, that Chinese proverb that says a closed mouth gathers no foot. (laughs) (laughs) I should listen to that proverb more often. (laughs) Yes. What you think should be said may not ever need to be said. Imagine that, Lisa. (laughs) Imagine that. Does it even need to be You're said? You're preaching to yourself right now. Yeah. I am. The second question, does it need to be said right now? This is all about timing. Yeah. Are emotions high? Are you hangry? Is there mounting tension? Do you lack the space and time to have a good conversation? Mm-hmm. The timing isn't right, so it may not need to be said right now. And then the third question, does it need to be said by me? Right. There may be times that I don't need to say it. If you need to learn a lesson or if I need to learn a lesson, mm-hmm. we're not going, this is not our space. Right. to instruct. And so you're going to learn it or I'm going to learn yeah. it. It just may not be my place yeah. to say something to you. You know, one of the things that is really important to think about here, especially if both you and your spouse are believers, mm-hmm. you have a relationship with God, mm-hmm. you know, relationship with Jesus, you don't have to be the Holy Spirit in your spouse's life. Sometimes you need to be quiet and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your spouse. Yes. 
So does it need to be said by me? No, maybe it, it needs to be dealt with by a coworker or an employee, or most importantly, that God would speak to your spouse mm-hmm. about that issue. You know what? And I love that because that our morning minutes, sometimes mm-hmm. I tell you, Holy Spirit dealt with me on something yeah. and you're probably like, praise God. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Yeah, that's right. So the first tool are those three questions. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? And does it need to be said by me? Okay. So the second tool to help us in this area of being slow to speak and serves as a filter for our words is the acronym THINK, mm. T-H-E. I-N-K. So let's just think. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Being slow to speak allows us to minimize the natural tendencies to operate in the flesh. Yeah. This typical demonstration of the flesh sometimes looks like we're interrupting, right? We become defensive, unwilling to admit wrong, or our body language is clear. We are on the struggle bus. Right. So when we actually put some things in place to slow our language down and give time to think about it, it is going to fuel humility. That's yeah, so good. Yeah. Gives us something to think about. Do you see what I did there? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> when we talk about humility, it really begins with a change in mindset. It is an intentional action in our life. Mm-hmm. So it really starts with our mindset. And I, I love that in Philippians chapter two, verse five through eight, it actually helps us define this mindset. It says in your relationships with one another. So in your relationship with your spouse it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what was that mindset? Who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So he is 100% God, but he didn't consider equality with God, but he took on a lowly nature of a human, right? Made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So the superpower here Mm -hmm. of humility is actually grace. If we go back to that first passage in James, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives what? Grace Grace to to the the humble. humble. So when we take on the mindset of humility in our life, we change our mindset. We allow that same mindset that Christ had of humbleness, lowering ourselves, Mm -hmm. preferring our spouse. God gives us grace. Mm -hmm. I I love that. Think about in the Old Testament, the beginning of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis at creation has this interesting passage about man and woman. Chapter two, verse 18 through 24 says, then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And any guys listening today can say amen to that. It's not good for us to be alone, right? So God said, I'll make a helper that is right for him. And out of the ground, the Lord made every animal of the field and every bird of the sky. He brought them to man to find out what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living thing, that was its name. Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the birds all of the sky, and to every animal in the field. But there was no helper found that was right for Adam. So the Lord put the man to sleep as if he were dead. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the bones from his side and closed up the place of the flesh. So in verse 22, it says, the Lord God made woman from the bone, which had been taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. So verse 23 says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and 
flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman. Whoa, man. Whoa, man. That's right. <laughs> That's good. Caught me there. Because she has been taken out of man. And then I love verse 24. It says, for this reason, and we quote this a lot in marriages and weddings and so forth. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife and they will become one flesh. So why are we joined as a husband and wife? For unity, right? Mm-hmm. To to put us whole, that we're, that we're complete together. And when you look at the challenges that many marriages face, the struggles that a lot of marriages go through, we can see that the enemy, Satan, tries to undermine this mystery of one flesh, that we're one flesh by causing us to focus on ourselves, pride, mm-hmm. right? On our differences, pride, instead of oneness, unity. Mm. So when we take on the mindset of humility, when we take on the mindset of Christ and we live with humility, God gives us grace and grace is what? Unearned love and favor towards our spouse. Right. So when we make the mindset shift that like, hey, I'm going to prefer my spouse. I'm going to think uh, of myself less, not think less of myself, but think of myself mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take on that mindset. God gives us grace in that so that we can lean into oneness. God gives us this grace to live it out, and, and grace gives us actually the power to change. This choice that we have actually is to the lean into grace. Right. Recently, I was introduced to this principle called the law of differences, and I'm going to put this construct in, in the notes or on social so you can see it, but it's, I think it's a really good way of understanding how grace plays into our relationship. When we lean into humility, how does grace play in our relationship? So if you think about the word choice, that we all have a choice. And coming down from the word choice, there's two options. On one side, there's the option of judgment. We can choose to look at our spouse with judgment. And when we choose to look at our spouse with judgment, what we're actually looking at is our spouse's weaknesses. Right. The things that are different from us, the things that cause us angst or whatever. We're looking through the lens of judgment and look at the weaknesses. When we do that, it causes isolation. Isolation both physically, you know, listen, when uh, you're feeling judged, Lisa, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no reason you want to be touched by me or want to touch me, right? So it causes physical isolation. It also also causes emotional isolation. Yes. You don't feel safe. You don't that that emotional intimacy is mm-hmm. not there. And what happens is that ultimately leads to death. Death in the relationship. Death you know, of trust. Death of trust. Ultimately in a marriage it probably leads to divorce. Mm-hmm. So, but it all starts with a choice, a choice of a mindset, right? Judgment. And judgment. On the other side, if we choose the opposite of judgment is value. Now, if I begin to choose the view through value, what I'm choosing to view is your strengths. Mm-hmm. And the things that you bring into the relationship that make me better, mm-hmm. right? Right. And when I view value through strengths, what that leads to is unity because I realize that God has joined us together, this mystery mm-hmm. of one flesh. And my weaknesses are made better because of your strengths and my my strengths make your weaknesses better. We're so, literally better together. Better together. And we, we lean into unity, which produces life in our mm-hmm. relationship. Now, if you go back to what we talked about in Genesis where you know God made one flesh, the enemy all along has been trying to get us to focus on ourselves, which chooses to view our spouse through judgment, mm-hmm. which when you think about God's plan for us is unity, the enemy's plan is isolation. Mm-hmm. The enemy's plan is disconnection. And so we have this choice to actually lean into value. And when we do that, we're actually allowing grace. Mm-hmm. It's not because you've done anything great or anything. Grace is unearned love and favor. And I can 
I can lean into that and value your strengths and lean into unity. And I think what Colossians chapter three, verse 13 says, it says that we need to bear with each other. Mm -hmm. So I would put it this way. We need to bear with our spouse and forgive the grievances or the differences that we may have against one another. And why? Because we forgive because the Lord forgave us. Yeah. So really the challenge for us is, as we think about these two words is, how are we choosing to view our spouse? through the lens of judgment and focusing on weaknesses, or are we viewing them through the lens of value and celebrating their strengths? Or another way of saying it is, will we choose to look at our spouse through the lens of pride or through the lens of humility? And the key to understanding the grace of God in our lives is choosing to allow grace to move us from isolation to unity. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And it's so interesting If you think about leading up to the day we got married, we were so excited. So everyone listening, think about that. Yeah. Think about how you came into your marriage. I mean, you didn't go, I hate this person. I want to spend my life life with him. You're like, you're so excited. I was so excited to be your wife. I was so excited for the adventure of what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that we can see such division. And it's exactly what you're saying. The enemy is all about dividing the very thing Mm -hmm. that we fell in love with each other about. And he uses whatever it is. And he starts with coming out of alignment with what we stacked our hands on the day we said, I do. Right. And so when we come out of alignment of that commitment that we made before God and man, we're actually pulling away just like Adam and Eve did, pulled away from God and came in agreement with the enemy. Yeah. So when we choose judgment, we're choosing to agree with the enemy instead of choosing value. So it literally is so simple, but we're all duped by it all the time. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons, you know, we started this episode talking about the marriage reboot. One of the reasons that the marriage reboot is so profound is because we take two days to really build on the strengths Mm -hmm. on common ground. Yeah. So many couples tend to look at the problems or the differences Mm -hmm. that they have. And so when you can get in a process like a marriage reboot, Mm -hmm. you can actually be guided to start understanding the strengths, the values that you and your spouse bring to each other. And you can live with life in in really strength and Mm -hmm. vitality in your marriage. The reboot helps a couple practically get in alignment. We're stacking hands on what we see in all the domains of life. Right. And then there's tactically, we're coming together and going, how are we going to live into that? So I love that because it it actually puts us in a place of strength when we are both on the same page, both moving in the same direction. This has been such a fantastic um, episode. We were excited about it. I'm glad we pivoted. We'll get back to prayer sometime. As we wrap up today, we want to thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about about what you heard today. We'd love to connect with you. Email us at hello at artespousing.com. You can also message us on Instagram at artespousing. We'd also love for you to sign up on our email list. With every episode, we send out an email with a direct link to the show and some news about what's happening with artespousing. You can sign up with a link in the show notes or in Instagram bio. On our next episode, we have some new friends on the show, Jeremy and Courtney Roseberry. You're going to be so inspired by their story. Jeremy was actually paralyzed mm-hmm after a somewhat minor back surgery. And what God has done in their lives is pretty amazing. We hope you'll join us for that. We hope you have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time on the Artist Bowsing Podcast. Until then, bye-bye.